Mmm, that was great. Oh, thank you. It really was great. Thanks. Cooking, Matthew, cooking. That's a real skill of yours. It is. Oh, I'm very full. I'm stuffed. Oh, thank you. Almost unpleasantly full. Yes. Like, on the verge of vomiting. Yes. Really, if I ate a single more thing, my gut would rupture and I'd die. Yes. But lovely, nonetheless. Um, thank you. And this is a lovely flat, Davis. Oh, thanks. It's so nice not to live with those merchant bankers anymore. Yes, those guys are unbearable. It was like living in a David Mamet play. Wow. And living here with the comedian Stu Goldsmith, it's like living in an episode of Seinfeld. Great. I'm surrounded by the creative elite of South East London, with every enclave filled with struggling artists and comedians, every puddle dripping with liquid inspiration. Rain. Yes, rain. And I live around the corner. Yeah, you're like my Newman. No, I'm not. Anyway, we should get on with this podcast. Now, I'm still not quite sure what a podcast is. Really? It's like a radio show. Yes. But you can't listen to it on the radio. No, you listen to it on the internet. Great. So we just try out some sketches and maybe some of our creative friends will pop by with a sketch or a song or a poem. Oh, brilliant. Oh, shall we start? Oh, I might just go and clean my teeth. I don't want to breathe garlic on everyone down the radio. Back in a mo. She does know how the radio works, doesn't she? Well, it's the internet, not the radio. Good point. Did you really use a whole bulb of garlic? Mmm, mmm. Extraordinary. How can we fill this time? Oh, uh, we could play the intro music. Great plan. Hit it. We just played the intro music. Oh, so it hasn't started yet? No. Oh, good. Is everybody ready? Yes. Right, here we go then. Hello, ladies and gentlemen of the internet. Here we are, Pega Bovine, with a variety of delicious comedy morsels that you will not be able to resist. Uh, Jen, what are you doing? What a tantalising treat. Comedy poured all over you until you are quite sticky. Ooh. Comedy. Ooh, yes, comedy. Ooh, yes. Ooh, comedy. Ooh, ooh, comedy. Yes. Jen, what are you doing? I was making it sound professional. Well, I, I don't really think that's the vibe we were going for. Um... Oh, okay. And what vibe are we going for? Well, sort of cheerfully off the cuff, low-key knockabout, pretty much like everything we do. Oh, right. What shall I get out of this ball gown, then? You can leave the ball gown on if you want. So when do the exciting creative people turn up? That'll be one of them now. It's Lewis! Hello, mate. Um, do you have a drill I could borrow? I need to secure a bookcase to a wall. Oh, um, uh, yeah, yeah, um, uh, here you go. Oh, that, that's a drill. Thanks. A drill, eh? Yes, he's securing a bookcase to the wall. He's an exciting, creative person. That wasn't exactly what I expected. It was lovely to see him, regardless. Mm. So how do we introduce our first sketch? Well, you just uh, say, here's the first sketch, and then um, something about it. I believe it's a song. That's all? Well, apparently, as it's on the internet, it doesn't really matter what you do. Extraordinary. Do you want to do the honours, then, Jen? 
Ladies and hmm? Here's the first sketch. I believe it's a song. So, um, not a sketch at all then. Great. That knocking at your bedroom door Little old sexy me Who's that collapsing on your bedroom floor Little old sexy me Well I may be only four foot three I may be the wrong side of eighty Well I'm small, aged and I catch It's little old sexy me don't call me Midget, Bridget, that's just not PC. And don't you dare protest, a Jane Jessen Tess. I may be stumpy, but you still want to haunt me. Who's that grabbing you by the shin? Little old sexy me. Fueled by tea topped up with gin. Little old sexy me. Well, turn me away and I'll come straight back High time youth is all that I lack And there's a constant threat of heart attack It's a little old sexy me Who can you not really see? Tall, flat, transparent me Who is pretty much 2D? Tall, flat, transparent me well, I'm tall like the altitude of a plane I'm see-through like a window pane Well, I'm flat, flat, flat again It's tall, flat, transparent me Don't call me Misty, Christy Cover me in window lean And I'm not complex Bex and Alex, you can see right through me, but you still wanna do me. Who in no way is opaque, tall, flat, transparent me. Oh, treat me gentle, or I'll break, tall, flat, transparent me. Well, I'm a monolith made out of glass. My nose is flat as is my ass, and I'm an offer which up you can't pass it. Tall, flat, transparent me Who's got a fork sticking in his head? Small, fat, delicious pie Who's a close relative of bread? Small, fat, delicious pie Well, I'm served with gravy, mash and peas I'm the bee's knees, plus I'm topped with cheese I wanna swim in your digestive seas It's small, fat, delicious pie Don't call me Cream Puff, Hillary Duff I'm strictly savory and I'm not amusing Soothing I may not be funny but you want me in your tummy Who's on a plate in a greasy spoon Small fat delicious pie And who's refracting the light of the moon Tall flat transparent me and sex in me, well, I'm still here You couldn't see me, cause I'm way down here Though we're all so different, it's still clear It's little old sexy me
coming up on the next podcast. Mr. Dombey! Mr. Dombey! Dombey and Son! Mr. Dombey! And Son! Dombey and Son! Dombey, Dombey, Dombey! Son? Dombey and Son! So that's, uh. Sorry, I, I wasn't listening. What was it? Dombey and Son! Oh, Mr. Dombey, it is you! And your son with you too! That's enough. Let's not spoil the plot. Is that how we're stopping sketches? We just say, okay, that, that one stopped. Well, no. People will laugh. And applaud. I'll probably applaud. And some whooping might happen. Cheering. It's on the internet. Might they throw flowers? I think in last case scenarios, we could just strike this triangle like this. That could signify applause and laughter. It's optimistic. I like it. Oh, uh, hi, Stu. I didn't know you were in. I'm just writing some jokes. Aren't you going to introduce me? I mean, us, Davis. Nice ball gown. Uh, sorry, yes, uh, this is the comedian Stuart Goldsmith. He's my housemate. Lovely to see you again, Stu. Lovely to be here in my flat. Anyway, I, I was just writing this joke and I wondered if I might try it out on you. Sure. Uh, so Christmas is a time for celebration, even if, like me, you're an atheist. Uh, and in the window of a shop recently, I saw a firework, like a kit firework, called The Wrath of God, which I think is an excellent name for a firework. Uh, apparently what you do is you light the blue touch paper, retire to a safe distance, and then nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that works. Great. I'll get back to me writing then. Cheerio. What time is it? Uh, 7.30. Why? Time for half a mind to kill. Oh. It's being repeated on the radio. First episode tonight. Great. Where's the radio? Uh, but we're in the middle of the podcast. So? So can't you listen again? It's not the same if it's not live. But it's a repeat. Oh, it started. Shh. Makes sense to begin halfway along the middle eight suspension bridge on that sheet white evening in October. Or at least it makes as much sense as anything in my life has made since. The middle eight connected the far end of the peninsula shaped city to the mainland. That evening I was standing on it with a holdall full of novels that I was dropping one by one into the sea. For some time I had been enthralled to a perverse exhaustion, which mounted the less I did. And what with the exhaustion, I did very little. The stack of paperbacks by my bedside had been building like junk mail delivered to a derelict house. I could not get past the first page of any one of them before I was seized by a restlessness and anxiety sufficient to rouse me from my desk and into the kitchenette, where I'd make a sandwich or roll a cigarette, although I had appetite for neither. This continued until the very sight of the books filled me with dread. It was liberating to let go of the idiot and watch it swoop and flip and lose its loose pages to join hunger, darkness at noon and Steppenwolf, all unread and floating face down in the water a few hundred feet below. Next was cold as the grave wherein my friend is laid. I was moving to throw it over arm when someone nudged me hard in the small of my back. I turned to reprimand whoever it was for being so careless on a high bridge, but came face to face with a pantomime horse. It was a good sort of horse, chestnut brown with a black mane, and like the best horse disguises, made one quite forget that one was really addressing two people in a costume, as opposed to a single entity. The pantomime horse went down on its haunches and picked up Sartre's being and nothingness with its mouth. You want that? The horse nodded. You're welcome to it. 
The horse nodded again and seemed pleased. And that's all, I'll get back to throwing my books off the bridge. The horse stamped his hoof. Do you know me? You know I'm a private detective? The horse nodded and stamped its hoof twice. Are you asking me to work for you? The horse nodded again, this time slowly. Well, you're out of luck, horsey. I'm on a break. Six months. Life as a detective is a big disappointment. Like a big book on outer space that turns out not to contain a single picture. You want to see the stars and the galaxies. You get technical essays on maintaining a lens. The horse shook its head. Go away. I'm not going to argue with a pantomime horse. The horse dropped, being a nothingness. A shotgun barrel protruded from its mouth, trained just below my heart. I certainly wasn't going to argue with this pantomime horse. A piece of rolled-up paper came out of its nose. The horse nodded. I took the paper. It read, 172 Fusiliers Walk, tomorrow, 9am. Hell. I'm supposed to be on a break. The horse shook its head, picked up being a nothingness, and trotted down the bridge. I watched it disappear around the bend, and then I threw the rest of my books over the bridge in one load. Ah, they don't make them like they used to. Yeah, you can say that again. Fifty years old and still relevant today. And now for an appeal. Over many years, my local car repair workshop, Greasy Dave's, has become the victim of creeping ivy. This devastating plant tears a building apart from the outside, like a really insidious nutcracker with leaves. With just a little of your help, we can purchase for Greasy Dave's a new pair of secateurs, which... Thank God for that. Who is it? Like the actual famous poet Luke Kennard. Hello. Are you here to read us an actual famous poem, Luke? Yes. Photographs of the Notebook. I used to keep a notebook on my person at all times to write down ideas, observations, openings for stories. It took me almost a year to realise that the book was hexed, that as long as I had it in my pocket or rucksack I would be blank, not only deaf and blind to the world around me, but mute as well, unable to express even this strange impotence in anything other than silence. I ripped out all 96 pages of the notebook one by one. I filled the empty leather cover with 96 photographs of the notebook, and I had it rebound. I gave this book of photographs to an artist I know in the city. She sealed it in an envelope and mailed it to herself so as to copyright the idea, but it must have been lost in the post. She is no longer speaking to me, but that's because of something else. I shredded the 96 ripped-out notebook pages and used them as stuffing in a writing cushion. I took the writing cushion to a shop where it was immediately bought by an old man with pince-nez who has since died in obscurity. I used so many cameras and films when I was taking the 96 photographs of the notebook. Even now, a set of photos will come back to me from the developers, and among the smiling friends and rivers and parties, there will be a perfect portrait of the notebook, just there, in between us, like a reminder that we're all going to die. Today I bought a new notebook but so far this is the only thing I have written in it. Thanks, Luke. Don't mention it. Do you have any food? Um, I think there might be some in the kitchen. Great. See you in a while. Let me, let me show you what you're allowed to eat. That boy eats a lot. That boy is a man now, Jen, with a voracious appetite. You know, this is going really well. In fact, this is going so well, I'm not sure we're ever going to need to do another podcast. And in light of that thought, coming up on next month's podcast.
One hundred years of solitude. One hundred years of solitude. One hundred years of solitude. Hello there. Go away. One hundred years of solitude. And also. In its original Spanish. Cien años de soledad! Yay! Hey! 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 Leave me alone. Lo siento. One hundred years of solitude. Packed with solitude. Mm. Added solitude. Yup. Solitude extra. Absolutely. I feel a bit lonely. Next, we go to Harrogate, where Matt and Davis went to investigate a new kind of slide. That was a slick link, Jen. Thanks. I think I'm getting the hang of this. We've all experienced the giddy sovereignty of mounting a wrought iron ladder and hauling our tiny form to the top before abandoning our body, mind and often soul to the perilous but in no way dangerous fall along the great metal lip, buffed to a shine by a thousand little bottoms to the rubberized tiles below. And who hasn't tried to get on a slide as a blue-jean-clad adolescent, ground to a halt halfway down, and realised that their sartorial decision signalled the end of their childhood? Quite so. Who? But what if a slide took you not down a greasy silver runway, but to another dimension? The slide of Knith is just such a slide. We're here with its perpetuator, Mr Abel Knith V. Hooray! So, uh, Mr Knith, how does your slide work? Well, the slide of Cliff works on roughly the same principle as a playground slide. Only? Only what? The slide of Cliff works on roughly the same principle as a playground slide, only... That was the end of my sentence. Oh. Well, for our listeners at home, I can reveal that the slide of Cliff allows the user to slide not only from top to bottom, but through time and space itself. Much like a playground slide. Mr Cliff, I, I think you're underplaying the slide of Cliff's significance. Well, I suppose I've just gotten used to it. My family's been working on it for six generations. Well, it looks quite incredible. It's hard to describe, but if you can imagine a sort of inverted cone, roughly the size of a chandelier, sucking in light... That's the top of the slide. And over here, a similar inverted cone, only this one is spewing light forth. That's the bottom of the slide. And I'm not sure whether you can hear that irritating high-pitched squeal, but I'm assuming that's something to do with the slide of Knith too. No, the slide of Knith is usually completely silent. Sorry, that's a noise I make when I don't think anyone's paying enough attention to me. Mr Kenneth, could you give us some sense of your slide's history? Yes, uh, point of fact, I'd be delighted to. Using a series of enormous magnets under the ground, my ancestral grandfather was able to rip two holes in the fabric of space and time. But it took a while before the slide of Kenneth was perfected, isn't that right? Yes, early experiments were a horrible disaster. Almost 900 children from my mother's side of the family were lost to oblivion in as many fortnights. But now, thanks to the research and constant thankless dry runs of Abel Kenneth V, the slide of Kenneth is open to the public. Actually, it's rather difficult to have a dry run with the slide of Kenneth. You either slide down it or you don't. Um, wet runs, then. That's more to the point, yes. Well, Davis and I are going to be the first members of Joe Public to slide down the slide of Kenneth. After you, Wateracre. Oh, uh, no, I insist you go first. <laughs> Me? I couldn't, possibly. We agreed. 
Well, Wateracre seems to have had an attack of cowardice. We agree. So it looks like it's going to be me making one giant leap through time and space. Uh, Mr. Knith, could you talk us through the safety equipment the slider has to wear? Uh, there isn't any. I'm sorry? Then what are all these pulleys and ropes and helmets? Oh, that's just my son's rock climbing gear. He never bloody puts it away. Right. No safety equipment. You're quite sure it's safe? Oh, absolutely. My wife's been on it eight times just this morning. Oh, well, in that case, here goes. Just <coughs> climbing into the cone. Good gracious. Did you enjoy it? Well, enjoy is hardly the right word. Parts of it were traumatising. So all that stuff about John Calvin true? Probably. I don't know. Calvin? Trauma? He's only been gone five seconds. Oh, it appears that way to us, certainly, but the actual length of time perceived while sliding down the slide of Knith varies wildly. Really? Wildly? How long did it seem to you, Matty? Let's see. I met Emily ten summers ago. We married the next winter. Our first shard was born three years later. I was about to get that promotion. I think it's been about 14 years. 14 years? Yes. I arrived in a universe exactly the same as ours, only everyone spoke really quietly, like this. It was actually quite annoying. So I thought I was stuck there. So I decided to settle down and raise a family. Then suddenly, bam, I'm out the other end of the slide. In fact, I'm really going to miss my family. How many children did you have? Three. They don't have a father anymore. But he hasn't aged physically. That's the joy of the slide of Knith. Is there any way I can get back to my poor, poor family? (laughs) Of course not. It's a slide. Me next! Do you still want to go on the slide? After what it's done to me? Yeah, well, I thought I could learn from your mistakes. No matter how long the slide lasts, I won't get married. Oh. Yes. Good for you. Whee! So, he'll be back before we know it then, eh? Gosh, it's brilliant, this slide of Knith. Fourteen years. <laughs> um, yep. It's been more than five seconds. Has it? I wasn't counting. Do you think he could be lost forever? In oblivion, yes. Most probably. Ah! What? No! I was about to become Pope! Not anymore. But I want to be Pope! You were only Pope on the slide of Knith. Just like Matthew here only had a family on the slide of Knith. Curse the slide of Knith. I'm pronouncing an anathema on this devilment. I wonder what Emily is doing now. I wonder if she's wearing that dress I bought her. It really brought out her legs. That's literally impossible to contemplate. Emily doesn't exist in this universe. You both have to forget everything that happened on the slide and get on with your lives. If I was still Pope, I'd excommunicate you. I rue the day I was sent to report on the slide of Knith. What do you think would happen if we put one inverted cone inside the other? Well, I don't know. I wouldn't touch them if I were you. They look a bit hot. Don't tamper with the slide of Knith. I'm the Pope. I can do whatever I like. Right, let's try putting the cone that spews light forth into the cone that sucks in light. Uh, See what that does. Your Holiness, I implore you to reconsider. (gasps) A blinding flash of light. What have you done? Oh, both cones have disappeared. The slide of Knith. What have you done to the slide of Knith? He appears to have obliterated it. Generations of research ruined. Mr. Knith, you are guilty of the sin of pride. Certainly it was your family who created the slide of Knith using giant magnets, and certainly the slide of Knith was finally realised under your jurisprudence. But are you really any better than a homeless man with no teeth? Of course not. 
The Lord has given. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You must say eight our fathers to the power of ten for each generation of your family. Thank you for your mercy, your holiness. Back to the studio. That was, without exception, the stupidest thing I've ever heard. We spent a whole afternoon recording that. Not to mention the 14 years on the slide. Oh, uh, hello again, Luke. Hello. Did you uh, find something to eat? Yes. Are you going to read us another poem? Yes. Uh... Blue dog. The blue dog is made of plastic. It is no more than two inches high. The blue dog is a pug and sits on its haunches. It is what she has been looking for all her life. You remember being a child, don't you? She asks me. This is what I remember about being a child. Rows of horror films by the counter in the video store. No blue dogs, I say. But I am in love with the blue dog, she says. Don't you remember taking joy in the smallest things? I have learned to group those things together, I say, and take joy in none of them. This is why we have wine connoisseurs and restaurant critics, she continues, filmmakers and English teachers. This is why we have bird watchers and moth catchers, professional sports players and magazine journalists. When people say everyone is searching for something, they are talking about the blue dog and all that it could once evoke. The little blue dog sits proudly in the middle of the table. I consider snatching it and throwing it in a river or melting it. Perhaps it is the way I am glaring at the blue dog, or perhaps, as I suspect, it is that she is so highly strung she can practically read my thoughts. If you ever take the blue dog away from me, she says, I will cry. I won't want to live any more. You think I'm a monster, don't you? I say, addressing the question to the blue dog. Thanks, Luke. Don't mention it. Do you have any food? Um, in the kitchen? Great. See you in a while. I have a really weird sense of deja vu. Who could that be? It's the actress Lou Breeley. Hello. How lovely. The actress Lou Breeley. Actually, according to Equity, the Actors' Union, we're just referred to as actors, male or female. The actor, Lou Breeley. Doesn't, doesn't that make you sound a bit mannish? No. Oh. Fair enough, then. Uh, the actor, Lou Breeley. It's lovely to have you here. Uh, what are you doing here, the actor, Lou Breeley? I wanted to try out an audition piece for you guys. Lovely. I've got some warm-up music. What? I have some music that I'd like you to play to allow me to warm up. All right, all right. Hand it over. And now, behold, quiver in anticipation at the auditioning power of the actor Lou Breeley, filling our minds with art and our brains with questions. Matthew, what are you doing? I was giving you a build-up. Sorry. Ignore him, Lou. And when you're ready, off you go. Rend your garments, ye madams. For your king is dead. The claret blood spilled from the gaping wound, congealing on the floor where it fell like sticky red tears from the eyes of a newborn babe. Howl bitterly. Your father's king now gives way to the dread king, Grackley, whose tyranny knows no limit. Your hands, ladies. Only together can we purge the canker from this land, finding womanly might. A potent match for base villainy. We shall march! March upon Grackley's dominions until none of them stand, but our rubble at our feet. Dogs! Geese! These shall be our aids. Millicent, fetch my quarterstaff and valentine. Let us strike out the root 
of this disgusting tree. Thank you. Yes, uh, that's uh, that's great. What part are you auditioning for? Tinkerbell. Good luck with that. Yes, uh, well, we'll let you know. Thanks, Lou. Do you have any food? Um, uh, have a check in the kitchen? Brilliant. Oh, uh, Luke might have eaten it, though. Oh, Matt, I forgot to say, this letter arrived from your slide of Knithwife. What? It's a miracle! Emily! Only joking. Meanwhile, in the kitchen... Luke, is there any food left? There's some, there's some malt loaf. Brilliant! I love malt loaf. To be continued. And now it's time for my Christmas poem. Uh, no, it isn't. What? Why? Well, this is a podcast, so we need to make it as universal as possible. I mean, people might listen to it in March or or, or April. I mean, they don't want to have Christmas rammed down their throats. Ears. Yeah, ears, ears. I could make it untopical. What? I could take out all the references to Christmas, replace them with other things. Like what? A fire extinguisher. You think that's going to work, do you? Yes, definitely. All right, then. <clears throat> fire extinguisher time. By Matthew Henry Johnson. Fire extinguisher is a time of giving and bestowing. The bells, the bells, they ring out loud, a time of festive nowing. Oh, listen to them chime and ring, to the fire extinguisher song they bring, a melody of tidings good, extinguisher fun and brotherhood. Hark, hark, tis fire extinguisher, yes, fire extinguisher. It only comes but once a year, and now it's come. It's actually here. Hooray! Oh, that was hooray, nice. hooray, and thrice hooray. The fire extinguisher candles burning bright. They burn all day. They burn all night. Oh no, they've set fire to the drapes. Thank goodness there are so many fire extinguishers in the house. The end. Yes, I, that was excellent. And uh, not seasonal at all. Who could that be? Hello, the Pegaboo Vine. Hello. I'm Tiggy. I'm Jocasta. Oh, we've brought you some mince pies. Merry Christmas. How come they're allowed to do Christmas stuff? Favouritism. Um, we're going to reenact the nativity now. Okay, let's go. I'm going to be Mary. Right. Um, and Joseph. Who? Oh. You can be the donkey. Oh, um, or Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem for the census. Mary was pregnant, so she rode on the donkey. Ow! Was, was she having twins? No, giddy up! Joseph had negotiated a year's paternity leave from his carpentry firm so Mary could return to work and continue her career as a full-time virgin and Joseph could provide childcare for his baby. No, Joseph wasn't the father. Oh! Get off me, Mary, you slag. No, Mary had been visited by an angel and was told that she was going to give birth to the Son of God. (laughs) And then God came round and they did the nasty. No, he just, like, magicked her pregnant. And then Mary was carrying God's Son. Cool. Unfortunately, due to smoke from burning oil wells in the region, the travellers could not see the guiding star. But luckily, Mary had brought along her copy of Lonely Planet, Israel, Palestine. Now Bethlehem's going to be ever so busy, said Mary. We could go to Gaza for the night instead, but that's quite isolated. Or how about Jerusalem? No, Mary, it's a bit dangerous there, said Joseph. What with the frequent bus bombings? Let's try our luck in Bethlehem, shall we? 
when they got to Bethlehem, they knocked on the door of the first inn they came to. Knock, knock, knock. What do you want? Oh, hello, French innkeeper. We were wondering if we might have a room for the night. There is no room at the inn. Bugger off. Go and try the holiday inn. It's full. Jury's inn. Full. Premier travel inn. Full. Please, can you help us? I'm about to do a virgin birth of the Son of God. Well, you can't do it here. No womb at the inn. That's rubbish. Sorry. I've got a stable around the back. You can stay there if you like. Just watch out for the arse shit. Thank you. And so Mary and Joseph settled down for the night in the stable. Sometime during the night, Mary woke up needing a really big poo, but she soon realised that she was having a baby out of her minky. The baby Jesus was a beautiful boy, and Mary and Joseph named him the baby Jesus. Before long, people began bringing gifts for the baby Jesus. Some shepherds came by with some, like, wool. Here is some wool! And the three kings brought gifts from, like, their homelands for the baby Jesus. I am King Kong, King of the Gorillas. I have brought you a banana. I am Stephen King, King of Scary Books. I have brought you a scary book. I am Martin Luther King, King of Dreams. I have brought you Emancipation of Black People. And then... I am boxing promoter Don King, king of boxing. I have brought you boxing. And then... I am Una King, former MP for Bethnal Green. I have brought you George Galloway. And then... I am Carol King, king of sad songs. I have brought you a sad song. I am old King Cole. I have brought you some coal. I am Nat King Cole, king of herbisongs. I am Natalie Cole, her daughter. I am Lloyd Cole in the commotions. I am... Mm. No. No, I've run out of kings. And then there was peace on earth. The end. Thanks very much. We did say there was to be no mention of fire extinguishers, but... Let me show you to the kitchen. I can barely imagine the conversation that Lou and Luke must be having. Where have you been? To the shops. Oh. Happy Christmas. Oh, thanks. Can I open it now? Please. A fire extinguisher. Just what I wanted. Safety first this Christmas, Matthew. Wonder who that could be. Well, whoever it is, they're out of luck. No food left. Poet Kennard and actor Lou Breely have eaten it all. Everything. Well, except for this mince pie that Tiggy and Jocasta brought. Mmm, lovely. Hello, Lewis. Hello, Matt. Um, I've brought back the Rizzer's Drill. Who? One with the glasses. Oh, thanks. Anyway, can you tell him I'm not doing any more of this peg of bovine stuff? Oh. It's getting a bit um, postmodern for me. And the drill didn't work. Oh. But I'll see you later, yeah? Yeah. Right, bye. Bye, Lewis! Oh, you got crumbs down all three pieces of my suit. Sorry. <laughs> Coming up on the next podcast... War and peace. It was a time of war. And a time of peace. War and peace. I will take us to war! Hello, lover. What can I get you for? I'll have a piece of cake, please. This piece here? Yes, that piece there. Thank you. War and cake. A piece of... Hello, lover. What can I... Oh...
What a funny hat. I'd like 20,000 pieces of cake, please. My army is malnourished. They've marched all the way from Moscow. Oh, to my little pastry shop here in Laverham. Yes, it comes highly recommended. And we went the wrong way. Oh, never you mind. You take the weight off and I'll get you a nice cup of tea and 20,000 slices of cake. Much obliged to you. Tea and 20,000 slices of cake. Ah, oh, Tolstoy's classic. Yes, it's uh, completely unexpurgated, apparently. So I hear. Every single piece of cake. Hmm. Well, this has been very pleasant. It has been, rather, hasn't it? And how lovely that everyone has dropped round. Quite. It almost makes you wish someone would drop round to finish it off. Who could that be? It's Holly from Like a Thief. Hey! Ho, 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 ho. Oh, oh, what, what, are you, uh, what are you doing here? Oh, I, was so, I came to play you a song and I was, I was going to play you my um, single that's out at the moment called Cartography Song, available on iTunes and all good download stores. Oh, nice. Yeah, but, um, but instead I thought I'd do uh, a different song, which is my Christmas song! Oh, is hey! it, yeah, it's, it's um, Christmas, No, it? a whole, it's, not, um, it's not actually a Christmas podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, um, okay, I thought I'd do my winter song. Winter song? Winter? Winterfall? Yeah, I, I imagine we can get away with that. Take it away, Holly. Yes. Um, so just quickly explain why it's a winter song. It's because, you know, because it mentions the night. It actually says the word winter in the song. And it right. mentions winter. snow. And it mentions night, which is like, because it gets dark earlier in the winter, doesn't it? So it it's does. like, it's night time for most of the time in the winter, more than it is in the summer, because yeah. it's more day daytime in the. And there's like churches and stuff, which are kind of like quite wintry. Because sometimes, now, I mean. sometimes, like, um, when I think about churches, like, it's just, it's generally in the yeah. winter that I think yeah, about Yeah, actually, them. actually, the whole really, you can, you can take it away now. Oh yeah, <clears throat> sorry. This is called Hometown. <sighs> <Woo. laughs> <laughs> I first I switched your mom. If I were to take some shit to find the skies, see you late at night. Don't want to go home. Wanna stay, wanna stay with the gaze of my hometown. Some mirrors ringing bell. So do I, mommy? All these things that I know well. Talk for a school night, and 
Yes, pretty big teeth for a smile to look pretty When the silly little place that I face When I'm down from the shoulder Sit me down and show me my hometown So first I switch your mind The fine water takes some shelter from the skies See it's late at night, don't want to go home Wanna stay, wanna stay To gaze at my hometown, my pretty Pega Bovine's House of Mirth was performed by Davis Wateracre, Luke Kennard, Jenny Sutton and Matthew Johnson Featuring contributions from our guest stars Stuart Goldsmith, Gurland Dean, Like a Thief, the actor Lou Breeley, Lewis Hall, Noel Byrne and Luke Kennard Sorry to interrupt. I've got another one. Oh, uh, we're just um, finishing up. Oh, no, it's you. really quick. It's really quick. Uh, I like to swan about on the bed of the ocean making unreasonable demands. I'm a scuba diva. <laughs>